Welcome to Community Foundation Coffee Talks, a podcast for community foundations to listen and learn from their peers. In this episode, you'll hear about the COVID-19 concerns in day-to-day accounting functions from funders across North America. This discussion comes from a webinar that was recorded on March 26th. The main topic areas covered were the changes in fundraising and granting, communicating around those changes, and how technology can be your best friend in this time of crisis. All right, let's join the conversation. The first voice we are going to hear is Crystal McMillan, who moderated the discussion, followed by Jan Rodman from the Guelph Community Foundation. So my first question for everybody on the call today is, how quickly was your organization able to mobilize to work from home? Uh, Anybody would like to share their stories? Hi, I'm with the Guelph Community Foundation in Ontario, Canada. And we're very small. We're 2.8 people, full-time equivalent, with a bunch of volunteers. Um, two of us had were already working on laptops, um, and the third on a desktop. So it was more a matter of trying to figure out how we could create a VPN, a virtual private network, so to access the servers because all of our information was server-based, not cloud-based. Mm-hmm. So we were able to do that fairly quickly. Our original intent intent was that one of the three of us would go into the office each day to check mail, um, do any banking that had to be done, but um, our province is actually in a stay-at-home order now, and we're a a non-essential business, so we're all working totally remotely, and we have no idea how we're going to access any donations that come in uh, hard copy. Uh We are communicating, um, we've, we've uh, got Zoom conferences set up, and we have a daily check-in for about three-quarters of an hour to an hour where we talk about what our priorities are, what we're working on, what challenges we have, how we can help each other, and then, of course, there's loads of emails going back and forth. Very good. Thank you, Jan. Hi, um, my name's Lauren. I work for Stonewall Community Foundation. Um, We're an LGBTQ community foundation in New York City. Um, And uh, we actually were paying pretty close attention to this because (laughs) living in a city, living in such close quarters, uh, we were pretty much aware as soon as this became a small issue that we knew it was going to get to be a big issue for us pretty quick. So Um, we fortunately already had a model where staff were allowed to work remotely one day from home and connect via VPN to our server. And so we were very fortunate that we had that set up in place already. Uh, What we didn't have was a great phone system um, that we could receive our work calls on our cell phones. Um, So we had to, that was one of my main priorities was getting that up and running, Um, spent a lot of time on customer support um, with our um, with our phone system, um, but we got that up and running. We were actually working from home um, about a week before everybody else started working from home. So we're all pretty proud of that. Um, we have a, a team of five and a very small office, and we kind of looked around. and We're like, we're not <laughs> we're not going to be able to keep ourselves safe if we stay here. Mm-hmm. Um, our our major challenge, I think, was um, mail. Um, we're fortunate enough that two of our staff live in the same neighborhood. And so I was able to set up a PO box in that neighborhood 
and um, get them mail forwarded at least locally. Um, and the post office here is still open. Unfortunately, the post office doesn't seem to actually be forwarding our mail. So the times that we've gone to collect it, the box has been empty, um, even though we know it's the forwarding order is in place. So that has been a challenge. And what we've been doing is just communicating to our donors as much as possible to give online. Um, you know, we've set up an e-check capability through authorized.net uh, where we can receive donations. Um, and we also um, are paying our grantees through um, an ACH form that we just set up so that we can pay everybody um, via ACH. And if anybody is still looking for a way to receive ACH enrollment forms um, securely, I would recommend a, a website called pdffiller.com. Um, it's really inexpensive and it supplies uh, an encrypted link so that you can set up an ACH payment form and have grantees fill it out without just emailing their account information to you. Um, so uh, that's how we're doing, and we are, uh, as Mayor or as as uh, Governor Cuomo calls it, on pause, which means we're not really supposed to be leaving our homes. Um, so who knows how long we'll actually be going to the post office after this? Understandable. I loved how you mentioned about forwarding the mail to a PO box. That's a great idea. If um, for anyone else to, to take advantage of that and hopefully mail in their area is working. Um, great, Lauren. Thank you so much. I think um, hope everybody took some notes. I think that she had some great suggestions. Um, anybody else on this topic? Hi, um, this is Andrew Zapanta. I'm the financial controller for the Charlottesville Area Community Foundation in Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, interesting enough, for now, we went on um, started working um, from home starting Friday the 13th and um, now we're going on two weeks and soon to be indefinite at the period um, regarding like I guess how to access our information we were on VPN and we had some issues with our um, our I guess our network provider and then we're actually pushing forward and going to I guess we're looking into going cloud Mm -hmm. and the cloud storage for our stuff, which they've been, you know, that's going to be the best thing ever. Um, we are pushing towards um, working on an ACH project for all night thing. Checks and um, one of the previous callers had a suggestion to how to get vendors to sign up for PD, for ACH information. If they could, if someone could send that out to everyone, that'd be great. So I didn't get a chance to write it down. And um, as for our accounting and various things, we're right now sending grants out over wire. We are, um, in the middle of a major fundraising and distribution um, with our relief fund. We're actually proud to say we're over, we've raised over 2 million and it's going higher at the moment as of Friday the 13th. And um, so we were prepared, like Friday the 13th is actually going to be a test run and it being official. So, you know, we're learning as we go along and we're having um, weekly call-ins and, um, you know, everyone's in the same boat. We're weathering this, this together and we, and we're, as I say, we're a small organization. Well, we're working well together. And um, I would say I've been in this control position for four weeks. So this was a true um, test, but um, mm -hmm. thankfully it's gone well. And I'm grateful for, for, the, for, um, for having this experience. Good. Um, Andrew, a question just came in for you. How many employees do you have again at your community um, foundation? 
um, 12, actually about 11, we're soon to hire um, a 12th person come um, next month. And hopefully that'll still happen in the midst yeah. of everything. Understandable. Great. Thank you. Um, Crystal, I have a question that came in from Heidi Ludwig. Oh, great. Um, she says, when we do ACH payments, we require nonprofits to submit avoided checks so we can verify the account number is truly associated with the nonprofit and not somebody's personal bank account number. Is anyone concerned about just having nonprofits uh, fill out the numbers on a form with no documentation that is true, that it is truly the nonprofit's account number? Oh, great question, Heidi. Um, anybody joining on the call today, would they like to answer and respond to that? Hi, yeah, I just wanted to comment. We don't do a whole lot of ACHs right now, um, but in kind of talking with our bank, they do require that we get a copy of avoided check um, for that very reason. So we do that for the very few that we do, um, but if we start making that more of an ongoing practice, that'll be definitely something we do. Mm -hmm. Hey, um, yeah, that was a really good question. That's something I thought about. Um, and Right now, um, we have pretty close relationships with our grantee partners, and so that is a little bit less of a concern, but it is something I've been thinking about um, as we do more of this. Uh, one other option that a lot of banks can provide is a verification letter. Um, I know that I didn't have the foresight to grab some blank checks to be able to send avoided check, um, and I imagine a lot of other nonprofits are in the same boat. Um, so that is one option I've been considering. And there is another option um, where you can actually send a really small amount via ACH to an account number for testing. And then you can ask the organization, maybe a different person in the organization, to confirm receipt of that particular amount. So I, I'm sure some of you have probably used this kind of thing before, where like a bank, uh, when they're setting up ACH for you, will send you three cents, mm -hmm. and you have to reply and say, oh, you sent me three cents. Um, so that's just another way that you might be able to um, get secure ACH um, transactions and, and limit your, your fraud there. Thank you, Lauren. Wow. All right. Um, oh, uh, let's see. It looks like we have a couple more hands raised. Hi, this is Anne. And I actually, um, what everyone said about how they got going working remotely is great. I'm not going to, to, to say similar things. My question is a couple of you have mentioned you cannot go into the office, someone said, because they weren't considered essential which I find interesting because at least here we're determining that, um, I mean, we, right now we have a, just a few people going in once a week, um, you know, social distancing and all that just to do our quick check processing for an hour or two. Um, and that may have to end, but we are because of the nonprofit nature and the granting nature to our nonprofits for food and other reasons, we were considered essential in, in some way, and I was just curious about that. Yeah. Yeah, so um, Ann Butterfield is with Sonoma Community Foundation in California. And so just, I know the stay-at-home orders are, I believe they're all coming down from governors. Um, I know 
part of Kansas. Well, actually, no, that was the mayor. Sorry. I still have family in Kansas City, so I know the mayor um, was making those decisions. Uh, for those that are also in the around the country that are already having stay-at-home orders, um, do you guys have any feedback for Anne? And we do have a stay-at-home order, too. Okay. Other than essential, and they can, you know, just do the bare minimum to get the work done kind of thing. Uh, Margaret and Kylie, anything coming through on chat? Yeah, um, somebody was asking about, hold on one second, let me get back to this. Um, Kimberly Castano asked, has anybody had success using an intermediary like Bill.com for accessing, accepting and issuing ACH payments? Um, and then um, Maria Veronica Banks um, said, this is also a great time to look into other bill paying services like bill.com to avoid collecting bank information altogether. Um, so I'm interested in kind of throwing that question out to the group to see if anybody is looking into it or has had success with something like bill.com. Oh, great question. Okay. Um, would anybody like to raise their hand that has had experience with bill.com? Pros, cons? Yeah, sure. Thanks. So this is Marie Veronica Banks. Um, and just for context, I'm in DC where we also have a stay at home order right now. Um, and then some background also, I guess on me and to contextualize while I'm, why I'm here. Uh, I previously used to work for a private foundation here in DC uh, that was a Foundant client, loved Foundant. And I now work um, at a consulting firm. We do uh, fiscal capacity building for nonprofits. And this is actually a question that's come up a lot with a lot of our clients. Um, and we are really encouraging folks to look into things like bill.com, um, not necessarily bill.com. We don't really have a partnership with them, but it, it does make it so you don't have to go into the office. It can really automate services and it's great for, like I said, not having to take on that risk. Um, and the foundation where I was previously had transitioned to bill.com while I was there. So I can say on a personal level, it does help a lot with not having to take on that responsibility of like double checking bank information and having routing numbers and getting that letter from the bank and everything. So I highly recommend it. Um, this is Crystal. I don't have much, I've heard of build.com, but so do your vendors when, when you're working with that, do they go in and set up an account and that verification's done that way? Yes. So essentially okay. the grantee organizations submit their information through bill.com, but you as the funder never have to look at it. Okay. Yeah. Very good. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. So let's move on to that next question then. Has any of your organizations seen a change in volume? You know, of course, I would think many of you may be setting up emergency response funds. Some of you may not and be working, pointing donors to other directions. So kind of just an overarching question. Have, has your organization seen any change in um, volume of activity, both up and down? And how are you guys responding to that change? I, I'm from the Hartford Foundation, and we um, are putting a moratorium on all grants that are not COVID-related um, for 60 days. So that's giving us a little leeway because within the last, we just turned on the new grant application, and we received about 25 applications within a few hours. So. Mm -hmm trying to um, get in front of this instead of behind it. 
We have not started to evaluate our outstanding grants. We probably have a few hundred grants that have outstanding balances that are going to be repurposed, and we're in the process of reaching out to all of the grantees to see if they require our help. So volume is definitely going up. We're just trying to manage it right now. Okay, great. Thank you, Josie. Okay. Um, I have a quick question from the group. Um, has anyone been able to forward their mail to a residential address? Our local post offices would not allow it from business to residential. Oh, good question. Okay. Um, uh, anyone? This is Julie Colmeek. I'm sorry I have little people in the background, so if they make noise, I apologize. You're fine. Um, we, we actually live in a small community, and we went over to the post office uh, three times in the last two weeks. And the last time we said, hey, the bank is locking the building, so we're not going to be able to have mail delivered at all. Can we forward? And, and they, they said, you know, we're in a small community, so we're just going to write your name down. We're running this running list on this piece of paper and we'll just deliver it to someone's home who lives nearby. So they advised us not to put a formal forwarding order in and to just allow them to you know, take care of it internally. So it's okay. worked out very well. Good, good. Well, yeah, it's, it's lucky that you um, are in a small community and, and those folks are flexible. Great. We've also, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm still on yeah. off of mute, but we also have implemented um, remote deposit functionality. So when the person who's receiving the mail, um, she receives it, she scans it, and then we're able to deposit it remotely. Um, so that we just implemented that in the on the fly in the last week, as well as ACH uh, payment processing. So we've implemented several things that were on our eventual list of to do much sooner than we had planned. Understandable. I have a quick question from the question box. Great. Um, Vicki Andrews has asked, our grant review process is too cumbersome. Just wondering if anyone has a streamlined process and what staff is involved. Okay. Um, anybody on the call today able to answer Vicki's question? Hi, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, so um, do you mean cumbersome? I'm not clear on the question because uh, is it cumbersome because of uh, not getting streamlined in a founded-like system, or is it cumbersome because of the uh, personal and the workflow that is involved uh, in the grant review process? Because in our organization, um, we have everything set up in Foundant uh, for the application workflow from the applicant side. And then uh, we are doing it um, uh, little by little, but uh, we are trying our best to get it all automated. Um, this year is the aim that it will happen within Foundant where our grants uh, uh, approval committee also is able to evaluate everything within Foundant and they're able to score the applications and then our decision making and everything goes online. But right now we are doing it in two places. Uh, one is of course Foundant where the applicants submit their process and uh, everything happens from the applicants end in Foundant. But uh, on the back end, we are doing grants committee meetings um, via Zoom and then um, doing the scoring and other decision making on Excel and other uh, uh, tools that we are using right now. <clears throat> Sorry about that. For grants. Yeah. Does that answer your question, I think? Uh, yeah, she says that uh, cumbersome is and they have too many people involved. 
Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, um, our organization is, uh, organization's grant making is not that huge. And uh, the way it has been set up is every division or every portfolio has a committee on it. Everything is done by uh, evaluators who are on the outside of the organization. So they have a very unbiased and very uh, neutral kind of point of view. So the committee really uh, steered, uh, they are the stewards of this uh, decision-making process. And that way it's just the managing director who is the head of the programs in our organization. It's myself. Uh, I started very recently and then the committee. So that that's the way the workflow is set up in our organization. I hope that answers your question. Thank you. Yeah. All right. And then our third question is um, around strategy for the near future. And I really, um, as I started to kind of think about maybe some underlying questions, I felt like, nope, this is a great just overarching question. Um, and then I just want to also make sure that we save enough time for any questions that you guys may still have um, to ask for the group. So have any of you, I know some of you have had um, stay-at-home orders or orders to work remotely a little bit longer than others as, as this has um, spread throughout the country. So some of you may have had a little bit more time to think about this, but what um, conversations are you having at your organization right now around your strategy um, for working remotely for however long this may be, whether it's a few more weeks or unfortunately maybe another month or two? Um, would anybody like to raise their hand or talk in the um, chat around your guys' strategy? Dorina Moore, um, VP of Ops at TEMF, which is Texas Methodist Foundation. We're a church foundation in Austin, Texas, and we're in the middle of converting to C-suite. Um, our target date right now is July 1. But in relation to, um, we're about 50, 52 people. Wow. About half of our staff works remotely already. They're called area representatives across Texas and New Mexico. So we were in um, pretty good shape for working remote. Um, but I must say, when we decided who could come into the office, um, I'm accounting. So that's the essential personnel and we're the only ones, right? Nope, not according to other departments. So if, um, we're we're living into different times of the week or month, different departments are essential. And we're under a, a stay-at-home order. We are considered essential because we consider ourselves a financial institution and a nonprofit, so with limited people in the building. And our um, continued operations are lots and lots of conversations via email and Zoom and life size about who's in the office when, keeping that six-foot distance, um, calling it physical distance, not um, whatever the other term is that now I've completely forgotten. Oh, social distance? Thank you, social distancing. Mm -hmm. Physical distancing, not social distancing, because we're such a social, we're churches, we do a lot of talking, mm -hmm. a lot of socializing. Um, so really trying to be cognizant of other departments. Their anxiety is really high because we weren't remote before, uh, at least accounting wasn't accounting uh, mm -hmm. and and uh, finance staff were not so um, and next week is is month end so uh, figuring out how to quite fr frankly I think we've spent most of our time managing anxiety of, mm -hmm. our, of our staff not <laughs> not our clients so um, 
so yeah we're we're gonna figure out we're just we're being way more fluid and we figured out really quickly that an accountant's biggest asset our our control and our structure can be our de biggest detriment in these times mm -hmm. so um practicing a lot of grace mm -hmm. uh, being flexible we're gonna next week we're probably going to implement uh shift shifts so since the work does have to flow through a particular process we can have some people in the office in the morning and some people in the office in the afternoon and that'll keep us in inside all the rules and regulations that the city has put in place so hope that helps okay good thank you Dirgina. yeah i know the community foundation that i used to work at um, is doing shifts because um, they're really Greater Kansas City Community Foundation is around 100 employees. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that they've had to implement some shifts as well. So thank you. Mm -hmm. right. uh, anybody else want to um, provide input or start discussions around the strategy for our new normal? Hi, everybody. Uh, great input from everybody. It's a wonderful session. Um, up until 2018, I was mostly working remotely. Um, however, with doing the accounting piece of the work, you have to have, I think, really good staff support to scan and email and get you all of the documents you need. So we, we had that for a while, um, but I've been in the office for the past two years. I think that what we're seeing is that maybe we can all take some time away from actually sitting at our office desks and instead doing it at our home desks. Uh, so that's kind of what we're looking at now, uh, that not everybody needs to be in the office every day. This was, this was a good wake-up call for us. Um, the other piece of it, too, is that back when I was working remotely for the most part, I always had to VPN in, but now we have a few different cloud-based solutions that are just wonderful i mean i'm not getting booted off i'm not getting kicked off the vpn it really is so much more streamlined now and i think that it, it took this working at home period to really realize how how smooth and how great that was yeah um great point lee i liked how you mentioned about how having the support of the staff to scan documentation and i'm hopeful that like you said, this can kind of be a good exercise for various departments to see how they can start to work together and support each other. So, um, yeah, great, great point about that. Does anybody have questions for the group right now? Do they want to kind of um, go ahead and ask? I think Darina making the comment about month end next week. Um, I could see how that's creating a lot of anxiety for accounting staff. Um, anybody want to ask some questions around that? Anybody kind of thought through how they're going to handle a month end? If we don't have any hands on that, Crystal, I do have one that came okay. through the chat. Um, Go ahead. Give people a second. It'll give people a second to think about month end and what they're going to do. Um, okay, so Rand Morgan has asked, um, we use TeamViewer for working remotely. What platforms do others use to access their files at their work PCs? Great question, Rand. Um, well, if anybody else wants to raise their hand around that question, I can go back through my notes. It does sound where I've heard a lot of cloud-based systems, and then I've also heard VPN throughout this call. Anybody else want to add to that? Hey, sorry. Um, I, I actually, the one that I've been looking at switching to, because we're still doing VPN from our server, um, 
is um, Microsoft um, 365. Um, and actually, if for those of you who are, well, actually, I think all of the people on this call might be able to register for a free version of Microsoft 365. They have a free nonprofit version. Um, so that's another one to consider. Very good. Thank you, Lauren. I think uh, we, I see one more hand raised. Hello. Uh, so at the Community Foundation of the Fox River Valley in Illinois, I was able to get off VPN a couple of years ago in, uh, instead of having the, the physical storage. Uh, we moved everything to Box uh, and Office 365. And between that and Community Suite, uh, we're, we're all on laptops. So we were able to also get rid of uh, go to PC and all those types of things. So every single one of our employees was able to work remote really easily. And I brought the check scanner home from, for remote deposit and, and there's a branch of our bank not too far by. So for us, uh, it, it's really cloud-based solutions and that's really handy as well, just to offshore that so that we don't have any of that compliance and, and whatnot. We use the, the vendors uh, certificates and, and all that uh, to make sure that, that everything's secure and, and up, to, up to our policies. Great, thanks Greg. Hi, I'm just uh, curious to Greg, who just spoke, how, um, how are you handling internal controls with somebody having the check scanner at home? So for us, um, we really have a lot of duties segregated where they're scanning and data entry and pickup. We all kind of uh, work together to make sure that um, the person that, that gets the mail always gets the mail and and whatnot so the deposit and data entry is is our separate people so we, we do a lot of scanning and and sharing through box great thank you greg okay um well so let's go ahead and wrap things up i want to be mindful of everybody's time thank you for joining and i guys all hope you guys log into compass here on monday so we can continue this conversation and with that i will wrap it up and mute myself So that was our conversation. There were so many ideas and so many new ideas because this is a new situation. We're going to keep bringing you conversations like this following the coffee talks that we host online. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. You can look for announcements on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn by following Foundant Technologies. And we want to hear from you. Unlike a lot of podcasts out there, you can participate yourself by registering for one of our Coffee Talk webinars. You can register for a webinar or access additional resources by clicking on the links in the episode notes. So from everyone at Founded Technologies, thanks for listening. We hope you found it helpful, and we can't wait to connect with you again on our next Coffee Talk.